you up. And then Pastor Sean said, there's no limits to what our faith can do. And you have to understand that there really is no limit to what God can do in our lives. However, we can limit what God can do based on how we think. The Bible says that there was a time that Jesus went to a town and got ready to heal everybody. And how many of you know Jesus can heal? Yes. But the Bible says he could not do many works there. Yes. Why could he not do many works there? It wasn't because he suddenly changed from being Jesus the healer, but they didn't see him as a healer. They saw him in a natural form as Mary's baby, Joseph's baby. And they was like, what is he going to do? And many times, if you see yourself as inferior, then you won't be able to manifest the very things that God has for you. Amen. That's why you got to be in the word, because what will the word do? Builds you up. So every time the enemy sends something your way to make you feel inferior, every time he sends something your way to make you think you're not enough, everything he, every time he sends something your way to think you're not qualified, the word of God God is screaming at you something of the opposite, saying, I chose you. You are of the beloved. You are beautiful. You are great. You are smart. And so the word is building you up over all of those inferior feelings. Amen. Amen. The Bible tells us that in the Old Testament, that's what happened with the children of Israel. They did not see themselves as God saw them. And because they didn't see themselves as God saw them, they could only see themselves as other people saw them. Listen, when I talk about our church, I don't ever say we're a small church. Amen. That's just not the language I use. I get what people mean when they say a small church. They talking about in numbers, but we ain't small. Come on. And so because we ain't small, I don't use small language. Come on. When folks talk about our church, I talk about all the stuff we're doing. And then they go, well, how many people do you got? I say, well, less than 100. They go, what? Yeah, because I don't talk small. Watch this. You ought to stop talking small about what you do. Oh, I know you just started the business, but don't call your business small. I know you may have just started losing the weight, but don't call your weight loss small. Listen, I know you may have just started this new job and it's on your trajectory for your career path, but don't call your job small. Call it what the word says. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say right now. Right now. The word. The word. Is building me up. It's building me up. See, if you don't have the word in your life, you are ill-equipped. You are unable and inadequate and insufficient to do the things that God has asked you to do. Amen. God knew you weren't qualified when he called you. Amen. Think about what he did. He called Moses to tell Pharaoh to let my people go when he knew Moses had a stuttering problem. Come on. And what did Moses say? The first thing Moses said was, well, I can't go, but it's got to be somebody else who's more eloquent than me. It's got to be someone else whose speech pattern is more uh, in, in sync than mine. I'm a stutterer. How can I tell Pharaoh to let my people go? He said, how can I do that? He says, don't worry about it. When Pharaoh asks you who sent you, don't you tell him about your stuttering problem. He said, you tell Pharaoh that I am that I am sent you. And sometimes you got to learn to tell your problems. Listen, I don't care about the fact that I ain't got a degree. God told me to apply. I don't care about what, what's happened in my past. God told me to show up on this platform. And so you got to learn to let the word of God build you up. Amen. God wants prosperity to manifest in every area of our life. But we got to stop shrinking back. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Neighbor. Stop. Stop. Shrinking. Shrinking. Back. Back. Say in fact. In fact. Learn. Learn. To live. To live. Big. Big. Come on, somebody. Live big. Hallelujah. Live big. Listen, you got two teams that are going to play in the Super Bowl today. Neither one of them are thinking they're going to lose.
Neither, neither, neither one of them are showing up talking about, oh, I can't wait to get this second place trophy. And we got to stop showing up in life like that, just being glad to be invited to the party. No, no, no. God didn't just invite us to the big dance. God called us to the big dance so that we can walk away with the trophy. Amen. So you got to learn to build yourself up in the word. Amen. You preaching this morning, ain't you? You got to build yourself up. We've been doing this all week. We've been preaching this all week. He just come out the gate. Whoa, I'm like, I thought we was warming up. All right, then. Listen, the truth of it is, is that you cannot live big till you think big. Mm Mm-hmm. Your life today is the sum total of your most dominant thoughts. Your salary today is the sum total of your most dominant thoughts. And I get it. Some of you are like, I want more money. I want more money. But you don't believe more money is in you. You don't believe it's in you. You don't believe more is in you. And until you get more in you, you'll never manifest more on the outside of yes. you. And even if you do, you won't be comfortable with it because you didn't think you deserved it to begin with. You deserve whatever God tells you that you can have. Come on. Come on. Say that. You deserve whatever God tells you to have. You never have to apologize for the favor that's on your life. Say, I never, I never apologize, apologize for the favor that's on my life. For the favor that is on my life. Amen. 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 No apology. You know, Pastor Ellen laughed about this for me. Like, I don't necessarily like big events, right? And I really don't like big events if I don't have some preferred seating. Judge me. I don't want to go any place and sit in the nosebleed section. That ain't how I roll, okay? So if I happen to go somewhere and I don't have preferred seating, all the way there I'm like, somebody go see me and move me to the front. Somebody gonna see me and move me to the front. How many times has that happened for us? A lot somebody's gonna see me and move me to the front because some y'all the rest of y'all comfortable sitting back there i'm not and so i'm not staying back there because that's where y'all want to stay so many many times when we go places we not on the program nobody knew we were coming somebody goes are you pastor sean i go yes They go, you don't want to sit back here, do you? I go, no. They go, hold on, I'll be right back. Let me see what I can do for you. But if you don't believe you have the right to that, right, that's good. If you don't believe you, you believe. have the right to that, you that. that's now hold on, because I know how the saints get. That's very different from going to an event that's not yours, bogarting your way to the front. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, sit in the back, get ass to the front, not go to the front, and then yeah. they kick you out. Okay, back, not right. that. So don't leave here walking up into a restaurant talking about I ain't waiting today. No. <laughs> Because you probably go go to jail. So that's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about believing for this right. Mm-hmm. That you have a right to live. One of the things I love about Jesus is this. Is that when Jesus got ready to go into the city and he asked for a donkey, he didn't ask for a used one. He sure didn't. He said, go find the new one that hadn't been ridden. Tell him Jesus has need of it. It's the difference in asking for a new Toyota and a new Bugatti. He didn't ask for, because for, at that time, a new donkey that somebody hadn't ridden, that was expensive. He, he wasn't talking about some, some donkey that was barely making it and had three legs. No, no, no. He wanted the best donkey and believed he had a right for it. So you got to learn in your life there are certain things that you don't have to be ashamed that you feel like you have a right for if God has told them to you. 
If no. God has told them to you, say, I have a right. I have a right. To have everything. To have everything. That God says I can have. God says I can have. One of the reasons that a lot of you guys get stuck is that you start thinking about what other people have and what other people don't have. What other people have and what they don't have don't have anything to do with you. There is enough for everybody. And if you walk by faith and get your share, then you have more to give somebody else. Right. But you, listen, you not eating don't make people in Africa have food. I know that's what your mama told you when she said you should eat this food because if you because it's starving kids in Africa, but they weren't gonna eat your mama chicken and rice. That's not what they were gonna eat. You getting full doesn't have anything to do with somebody else being blessed. Say my blessing. My blessing never stops. Never stops. Anybody else? Anybody else from getting blessed. From Amen. Getting blessed. Amen. So our thoughts Amen. can either limit us mm -hmm. or they can make us limitless. Yes. Our thoughts are either limiting us or they are making us limitless. So what are your thoughts doing for you? What are your thoughts about finances doing for you? And I'm going to tell you this. If you're a believer and you still have anything in your mind that Jesus was poor, you are limited in your finances. Yeah. Because you have bought into some theology, some evangelical bull mocking crap um, that is not gospel. God has more than enough. In fact, if you look in the Old Testament, everybody who walked with God got rich. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's, that's what the Bible says. And so your thoughts are either setting you free or your thoughts are putting you in bondage. Think about your thoughts about relationships. Are your thoughts about relationships taking you towards relationships that you want or taking you away from relationships that you want? Think about that. Your thoughts are either creating limits or they're making you limitless. Amen. So go ahead. No, I, I, one of the points that I, we were talking to each other this week and we were saying that so many times people go, well, it seems like, you know, y'all teach the same message, you know, over and over and over. You're right. We do. And part of the reason is we believe that you should not despise repetitive teaching. And here's the reason why. The Bible says in Matthew, the 13th chapter and the 19th verse. It says anytime the word is sown, and when we're teaching, that's what we're doing. We're trying to sow word. It's like seed being sown on the ground. It says anytime that the word of God is sown and you are not quick to comprehend it, you're not fast to understand it, you don't take it as something that belongs to you, it says that the devil comes to steal away the word that you heard. And so that's why we say to you, when you hear word, be, pre be prepared for that word to be tried. Yes. Come on. Be prepared yes. for that word to be tested. Yeah. Be, be don't 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 be shocked that when you decide to live for God that, that, that something going to go crazy in your life because that's all the devil can do is to convince you that what God said isn't real. But as long as you don't change your mind, you keep the word. And the reason we keep we teach it over and over and over is because we're not with you all week. And we know crazy stuff happens all week long. So when you show up here on Sunday or you tune in on Wednesday or you listen to prayer on Tuesday, what we're trying to do is to keep that word sown in your life. So that the devil, even though he tries to come, the more every time he tries to take word, we're inundating you with more words. Yes. That's why you have to love the word. That's why you have to love the word of God because the word of God is designed to do what? Build you up. Now the bite, the, the, go ahead. No, but think about this. When we talk about you know, people despise the repetitive teaching, right? But somebody gets good at push-ups, not because they do them one time. That's right. 
They do push-ups repetitively. You get good at running because you run. You get good at lifting weights because you lift weights. Right. Why would you think that you don't build your faith muscle and your mind muscle the same That's way? It requires the same repetition. It requires the same repetition because just like weight is a resistance, when you hear word, the enemy begins to resist against the word that you heard. Right. Why? Because the devil can't stop you if you won't let go of your faith. Right. So what he tries to do is wear you out. So that you will just give up and concede. He cannot say he can't stop me. He can't stop me. So he tries to get me to quit. So he tries to get me to quit. He cannot stop you. So he tries to get you to quit. And that's why you need to hear word and hear word and hear word and hear word. You got to hear the word. It's funny because every time we talk about Jesus being rich and Jesus having resources, you can feel the resistance because we live in a place that's talked about how poor Jesus is forever. So people who deeply love Jesus get really offended. But God. God, Jesus, ha- Jesus is God manifested. Yes. Name one time in the Bible that Jesus ever needed something and he didn't have it. That's right. You can't name a time. That is what rich is. Everybody. That every time he needed something, he had it. Yes. And so you got to get to the point that if we say Jesus was rich and you cringe, you ain't heard it enough. If we say Jesus heals everybody and you cringe, you ain't heard it enough. If we say God restores and you cringe, you haven't heard it enough. You got to hear it enough that your flesh has to sit down when it's heard. And that's why we say no man comes to Jesus and does not receive. Jesus never had a need and that need wasn't met. If you're connected to Jesus, it's impossible to have a need and he not meet your need. Now, now what happens is we get in our mind and start trying to name all the times we had a need and he didn't come through. And that's designed so that the enemy will get you to think that somehow God's word ain't real. But you don't find a time in the Bible somebody went to Jesus and they didn't get their need met. And the Bible says in Acts in Acts 10, 35, that God is no respecter of persons. So if God will heal the woman with the issue of blood, he'll heal me of whatever health challenges I may have. Amen. If the, if the man needs to pay his taxes and God told him to, and Jesus told him to go, go fish and get the corn out the fish, I don't know how he's going to do it, but whatever resource I need, he'll make sure that I have it. Amen. But it starts with my believing. Amen. It absolutely starts with your believing. And this is so important because if you don't make a decision to believe God, you cannot experience the victory. Even when Pastor Edwin goes back and you go, well, what about the times God didn't come through? Is it that God didn't come through or is it that before God came through, you was on to your next plan? Did God really not come through or before before God could even speak, you had called your mama? God doesn't fail. He doesn't lie. God is not a man. He shows up every time. Every time. He heals. He delivers. He sets free because that's who he is. But you have to get the word in you to such a degree that you believe him more than you believe what you see. Mm -hmm. Because when you believe him more than what you see, then what you see will look like what he said. That's good. That's good. That's good. So you're, you, you said earlier that our thoughts either limit us or they can remove the barriers out of our life. Most of the time, here's, in, in the real world, here's how that happens. It happens through the interaction of the people we spend the most time with. Come on. It's why we say that your environment is, is always, always working, working on, on you. you. 
You hang around faith-filled people and watch your faith grow. Come on here now. But you hang around a whole bunch of folks with doubt and unbelief and watch what happens to your faith. You can be the biggest faith person there is. You spend 365 days around somebody who don't trust and believe and watch it. Your faith will diminish. Now, I know everybody didn't do it, praise the Lord, but there are times in your past where you might have been somewhere and somebody may have been smoking something. You wasn't smoking it, but you got the charge from it. See, that's why, that's why you got to be around the right environment. Because you, because you might by not something. be reading the word, but if you stay around some faith-filled people, you might catch a charge. Because the truth of the matter is, you got to hang around the right environment. And since we don't meet every week on Sunday and Wednesday and Tuesday, that's why we use Facebook Live to help you get a charge during the week. We trying to blow on you. Hey. Because the word will do what? Build you up. Think about this. In Numbers, the 13th chapter, Come in Numbers, on, the 13th chapter, we find this story where literally uh, Moses had, well, we find this story where, where Caleb and them had been sent out to spy the land. And the Bible says that when they got sent out to spy the land, that they, they, they spent about 90 days over there spying the land out. And the Bible says that they saw all kinds of things. The Bible says that they even saw grapes that were so big when they cut a vine down, it took two grown men to carry the grapes. The Bible says they got back and he says, hey, what did you find over there? And they said, yo, we found a land flowing with, with milk, milk and, honey. and honey. He said the grapes were so large, it took two grown men to carry it. But there were some other people who was like, yo, we can't give a good report because if we do, they're going to want us to go over there. And there are some giants in the land. He said, the, the Amicalites are over there, and, and, and the Hittites, and all the other ites that dwell by the land. He said, they're all over there, and if we go over there, those giants are going to kill us because we are grasshoppers yeah. in our own sight. Now, notice, the, the, the giants didn't kill them when they were spying out the land. Think about it. They had been victorious in times past. Think about it. They're living in the wilderness, and literally their shoes are not out. They're not outgrowing their shoes. Their clothes aren't getting old. They're being sustained by God, but now they're afraid to go into a land, not because of what the land said about them, not because of what the giants said about them, but, but because, because of, of what, what they said about them. They said, we are as grasshoppers in our own sight, but most people don't read the last part. It says, and so we were in theirs. When you see yourself as not worthy, but you go to the job interview, come on. They don't pick you because you wasn't worthy. They don't pick you because you didn't think you were worthy and you projected that you weren't worthy. So since you didn't think you were worthy, why would I hire an unworthy person? That's why whenever God tells you to do something, you gotta walk in the room like you own the thing. I don't care what it is. I don't, I, I don't. I don't care what it is, whatever you are doing and God has said do it, you got to act like you own it. My mama, my mama used to tell me sometimes, and I didn't realize what she was saying, but she said whenever, I used to go places with, with some of my friends, and I had some wealthy friends when I grew up. I wasn't wealthy, but they were wealthy. So I got to experience some pretty cool stuff hanging with them. But my mama used to always say, when you go with them, act like you've been somewhere. Yeah. Right. Act like you've been, so I don't care what, I, I 
can walk into the baddest house ever. I ain't going to be like, oh, Lord, this is beautiful. I'm going to walk in and be like, mm, I like that. That's cool. I wouldn't have done that that, that way. Yeah, I changed yeah. that. Act like you've been somewhere. When God calls you to do something, act like you've been somewhere. Let me show you how to act like you've been somewhere, though. If you would meditate on what he said, you would have been, been there been before it. you got there. That's good. That's if good. you would meditate on what he said, you would have been there That's before good. you got there. That's so good. then when you got in the interview, because you had already seen yourself kill the interview, your nerves couldn't have stopped you from killing the interview because you had already killed the interview in your mind. That's good. That's, That's good. why he says me- Meditating on the word isn't saying, isn't saying, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is not what meditation is. He didn't say repeat the word. He said said, meditate on the word. Meditation is to build a picture. A mental picture. It is to build a A picture picture. that becomes so strong that that picture becomes bigger than what's on the outside of you. And then it forces what's on the outside of you to bow to what's on the inside of you. I like that. Meditate. 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 Tell your neighbor, say, become a meditator. Become a meditator. Not that Eastern meditation where you're trying to clear your brain. Right. (laughs) But that Holy Ghost meditation where you're getting a picture of something. And, And let me show you how that ties in. That's so good because once you begin to meditate and you begin to get this mental picture and you begin to get this image and it becomes real to you, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will begin to speak. Come on. So now, once your heart's gotten full because you painted that mental picture, now you're speaking what you see. And the Bible says that we then use our words to frame our world. And the Bible then says in Proverbs 3 and 7 that whatsoever a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So once you begin to meditate and you begin to get it in your heart, the journey's halfway done. Who was that, G.I. Joe? He said, what, what, what did G.I. Joe used to say? Knowing is half the battle. Once you know, half the battle's already over with. But you gotta meditate. I like that you gotta meditate on You gotta word. meditate until you can see it. And you cannot, uh, um, when, when we were, t- when I was teaching Tay yes. how to pull out things, because so I have a master's in sports psychology, so I'm telling you something that cognitively about your brain, so the Holy Ghost can help you master your brain. Come on. What we know is that once you know how to do a task, it is more powerful for you to do it in your mind than for you to do it with your body. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Okay? So once you know how to shoot a free throw, it is more beneficial for you to shoot free throws in your mind than for you to actually shoot free throws. So I would do these things for her and her team where I would say, listen to my voice, see yourself at the line, see everything in the room, see the noise, see the ball, see the crowd, see the cheerleader, and start pulling them out one by one. Take away the crowd. Take away the cheerleaders. Take away till now you can't hear nothing but the ball bouncing and you shoot. Yes. Do it over and over and over and over again. That is how you meditate your way into a new job. You see yourself walking to the corner office. You see yourself sitting in the meetings where you are the decision maker. You see yourself. You in the meeting now and you just taking notes, but you like, this ain't really my chair. My chair is really that chair right there. Matter of fact, I'm going to get to the meeting a few minutes earlier so I can sit in that chair and remind myself where I'm really supposed to be. So when I have to go back to this chair, I know it's just temporary. Say, because where I am right now. Say, where I am right now. Where I am right now. 
it's just temporary. What I am right now is just temporary, baby. This just te- this room just temporary. Don't get comfortable here. This just temporary. You think I'm cute when I free skin? No. Because it, because because that's so good. Because here's the reality. Here's what the Lord. While you were teaching that, here's what the Lord said. He said you can spend more time in your new sanctuary than you do in this one. Yes. Because you can meditate. Anywhere you can meditate anytime. Listen, that that is the, there's a story. Uh, there's a story, uh, and I forget his name, but it, it, there's a story about a a, a a man who was in a uh, a, a prison uh, during the Holocaust. He's a Jewish man, oh, yeah, and they asked him how he survived, and he said because every morning he went for a walk in the field. Every morning, he said, every evening, I sat down and I had dinner with my wife and children. He said, and every night before I went to bed, I took a nice warm bath before I laid my head down. He was in a prison cell, a four by six prison cell for six years before he ever got out. He said, and every day he took a walk in the field. Listen, meditation will take you out of your bad situation. You ain't got to spend time thinking about how broke you are. You can literally think about how God is supplying all of your needs. And then before you know it, that thing gets built up in your heart and it becomes your reality. And I can't remember his name, but when they actually got him out of the prison, he was in better physical shape than everybody else who was in the prison. And some of you, you actually live in the field, but your mind is the prison. Because all you do is meditate on on how bad it is. All you do is meditate on what they said about you. All you do is keep reliving the abuse and the rejection. And what we're trying to get you to do is to stop rehearsing what they said and focus on what God said. When you're sick, you say, there is a scripture in the Bible that literally proves that God tells you to call those things that be not as though they are. It's in Job. He says, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak, he says, when you're weak, you don't say, oh my God, I'm so weak, I don't know how I'm going to make it. He says, when you're weak, you say, I am strong. I am strong. When you're sick, you say, I am healed. When you're depressed, you say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. When you say I'm, when you feel like you're not gonna make it, you say I'm overcoming. Yes. I'm walking in victory. Yes. But if you don't learn how to get the word in your heart so that it comes out of your mouth, then you're never going to be able to have this victory that we're talking about because the enemy is just going to use your own thoughts to pull you back into bondage. Tell your neighbor, say you got to master your mind. You got to master your mind. And the best tool for mastery is the word. That's right. right. Amen. You can can see this in in scripture because in scripture you find out that Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says to Pharaoh, hey, let my people go. And after this long time and all these plagues, you find out that that Pharaoh lets the people go. The people leave. In fact, they leave with gold and silver and all kinds. They was going to to a place where they weren't even no shops, but they still left rich. And the Bible says that when they left, they got out there and God provided for them by sending manna down from heaven. It says they did eat angel food. 
And so they literally ate angel food. And then they got dissatisfied with the angel food. And then they said, well, you know what? We want some meat. We, we ain't had meat in a long time. We want some meat. The Bible says then he sent quail for them to eat. And then after they got so much quail, they still kept murmuring and complaining. And here's what happened. The Bible says they got together and they started reminiscing about what it was like to be in Egypt. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, when they were in Egypt, they were slaves and being mistreated. You cannot be the kind of person that God delivers you from, but then you get so discontent in every situation you're in, you always want to go back to what you came from. You got to learn to fortify your mind. Let the word of God build you up so that you ain't talking about, man, when I was out there in the streets, I had money. Listen, you don't want to go you back. You also got arrested. Here, here, here's, what you, here's what you need to know. Right. You also but, got arrested. But people do this all the time. They go, man, when I used to go to the club, I used to have so much fun. I'm saved. Now I'm bored. Listen, let me help you. It's a reason you left the club. I think people forget that. They come to church and, and they run away from something, but then when they get here, they get discontented with this too. They're like, oh man, I should have been back over there. But you left there for a reason. It's the reason, Pastor and I, we was laughing. I have never, ever had a breakup I went back to. It was a reason we broke up. It's a reason we decided this wasn't going to work. And so because, I just, because there was a reason, I don't forget the reason. There's a reason I decided to serve God. Amen. So I don't forget the reason I decided to serve God. So no matter how bad it gets over here, I ain't going back over there. And sometimes you got to make that kind of decision in your life. No matter how bad it may seem, I ain't going back to what it used to be. Amen. Amen. Somebody say, preach, pastor. Amen. Preach, pastor. Listen. Let's go to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. You have the ability to change your own life. God has given you that power. You're not the sum total of your mistakes. I am not. You are not your failures. That's right. You are not the people who said no. I'm telling you, I have always believed this. People who live for the Lord, especially women, they'll be like, I don't understand why I can't get a man. I'm doing everything right. In my whole life of dating, I never thought I should get anybody because I did anything, everything right. I never like, like, uh, like, but I'm doing everything right. The fact that you think you got to do everything right is the reason you don't have. And then you'll see somebody who don't look like they doing nothing right. And they got a man. Here's the difference. They believe they're worthy. You don't. Yeah. You believe you got to check the box. You believe you got to do, you got to believe, you believe you got to be to make 37 meals on Pinterest, sew, clean up, make your own cleaning supplies, braid hair, wash the car, vacuum it out, pray and fast and look sexy. You believe you got to do all of that. I just believe because I, when I showed up, he was like, I want her. Of course. Why wouldn't you? But that's about your, own, it's thinking. About your own thinking. It's about your own thinking about yourself. And, and it's funny because you'll see couples, it don't matter whether it's a man or a woman or a woman or a man or whatever, but you'll be like, how did they get them? Because they thought they, they could. Because they thought they could. That's why you don't have nobody. You didn't think you could get nobody. And so whatever you believe is what you receive. 
No, and this is real talk because I know a lot of you want to be in relationships and you don't even realize because you carry that unworthiness with you when you walk into a place, you give off a vibe. Desperation, Steve. You give off a vibe. You give off a vibe that you ain't good enough, that you go be rejected. You give it off. And then all you can attract is people who want to victimize you. It has nothing to do, it has nothing to do with what you say out of your mouth. It does. It has everything to do with what's going on internally because you can talk a good game and you can say all the right things but you cannot hide what's happening inside of you and if you don't think you worthy that's what you go it's and track seep out and i just think i'm worthy i just uh, i just think i'm worthy I mean, I, I, I say that, Pastor Ellen and I say this all the time, we're always laughing because we go always be together. Because if we not, one of us go go to jail, okay? So it's not going to work, so we just go stay together, okay? But we always say this. <laughs> what? Wait, wait, wait. I thought we was always going to be together because if not, the other person was going to move close to the other person. Where did jail come from? <laughs> she done elevated jail. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. But so... Uh, <laughs> But one of the things that we always say is that if I was single right now with five kids, I could date somebody. In 30 days. I could be blue. Chubby and all. Chubby and all. Chubby and all. I would pull me somebody. I believe that about myself. I do too. I bet you this. I bet you every married person in here believe that about themselves. Married people, don't you believe that about yourself? That's why married people marry. <laughs> right, right. That's why right, married people right, marry. Because right, we like, we like, you don't want right, to let this right, go. Right. That ain't what you want to do. That ain't what you want. That ain't what you <laughs> that want. That ain't what you want with your life. That ain't you better you not want. let me go. You better not. You better stay here. Better not. That's how married people feel about themselves. That's how they got married. Even if they marry somebody they don't want to be with. That's how they got to that place. That's right. Your thinking controls your yes. life. That's yes. the point we're making here. Yes, that's so good. You want to drink it? You can. So in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15, Ephesians 3, 15, we're just going to read it real quick. It says this. It says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man. Mm -hmm. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Yes. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according According to the power that worketh in us. In other words, he says, listen, I want you to be so full of God that the power of love and faith is so working in you that everything God promises you, you can believe it. That you can comprehend it. Because sometimes God is so good to us, God will say things to us, and we'll just be like, well, how, God? Why, why, why me? Why would, why would I qualify for that? He says, I want you to be so full of God's love for you that you don't even question when God tells you he want to do great things for you. Amen. God has no limits, and he wants us as his children to live the exact same way, without any limits, so that we can experience all the goodness of God. God is well able to cause us to live 
uh, out our most cherished dreams. We just have to stop limiting God. Our thoughts are designed. That, that's the one place that the enemy can, can infiltrate. He can't, he can't really touch our physical bodies. Uh, our spirit man is redeemed and sealed Amen. by an incorruptible seed, so he can't mess with that. So his only access point is through our soul, which is our mind, will, emotions, our imagination, our intellect. He wants to whisper things to you. And Come here's on. the thing. He wants to whisper things to you so that then you can think about those things. If you can meditate on something good, you can meditate on something wrong. And so what he wants to do is he wants you to get this in your mind. And notice this. Your imagination is a powerful tool. Never underestimate the power of the imagination. You know your imagination is real. You ever been fighting somebody in your sleep or running from somebody in your sleep and you wake up and your heart's all elevated and you, or you done popped your wife over there because you swinging and doing whatever you're doing? Sorry, babe. Because <laughs> that stuff is real. When your brain doesn't go, oh, we're asleep. It's just a dream. You, you, it's real to you. And, and sometimes you wake up and you have to sit up for a minute and be like, now, wait a minute. Did, did, did I really just kill six people? Oh, okay, no, I didn't. You, you have to be like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, was that a dream? You have to get that, why? Because your imagination is so powerful. And so we have to be careful that we don't let the devil use outside things. You know, the, the, the Mark chapter 4 talks about the cares of the world. And, and how many know if you, listen, tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Neighbor. Being a Christian. Being a Christian. Does not. Does not. Exempt you. Exempt you. From bad things. From bad things. I need people to know that. You can be a Christian and still get laid off. That, 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 you can be a Christian and get diagnosed with an illness. Being a Christian does not exempt you from life circumstances. What it does is it equips you, or it has the ability to equip you, you, to know how to deal with those things. And so we have to make sure that people are understanding that. That's why our minds, it's so important that our minds, uh, that we understand how powerful our minds Amen. are. I think I said it earlier, Proverbs 23 and 7, it says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So we got to learn how to analyze our thoughts. What are you we, thinking about? Being metacognitive. Think about your thinking. Why do you think that? When she was using the example of a young lady, and, and, and we've talked to a few of them and counseled a few of them, and I'm always stunned when, a, when, a, when, a, when an attractive young lady says, I feel ugly. It's like, dude, do you not look in the mirror? I mean, I ain't trying to be rude, but we could show you ugly. That's not who you are. We was doing so good over here. <laughs> we were doing so good. It's like, that's, you, you're not ugly. You, you feel that way because somebody told you that. Who told you that? Because I, I'm, and I'm also equally amazed when I find someone who may not be as attractive as society says they are. But yet, they, they, in their mind, they're the finest thing ever. They walk like it, they carry themselves like it, and you couldn't tell them anything different. It's all about your it is all about, all your, about thinking. your thinking. It's all about your thinking. If you believe that life is tough and there are no opportunities, you'll even miss the opportunities that God brings That's to right. you. You got to believe. I'm a believer. There are always opportunities for me. There's always favor always. for me. There's always an open door for me. I'm never stuck. I'm never without an answer. I'm never without an mm -hmm. option. That's how I. That's how we talk in our in our family in our life. And then it's like we even. It's like and when you understand that you always have options, it'll stop you from selling for stuff that's beneath you say that say i always i always have multiple options have multiple options amen amen i have multiple, multiple options. options and my path may not be like yours but god is good at getting me where i need mm -hmm. to be yeah. 
So let's look at this. In Romans 12 and 2, we use this scripture all the time. What does it tell us? It says you got to do what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I was saying to Pastor Edwin yesterday, I said, it saddens me that so many believers do not understand that they need to live by faith. Mm -hmm. It so saddens me because all over this nation, people go to church and we hear good stories about the Bible and, and God, but we don't talk about the power and our ability to partner with him when in faith. To partner with him. Our faith is how we partner, partner with him. With and yesterday as I was preparing to preach, the Lord said this to me and I thought it was so good. He said, life gives you what you demand. Mm. He said, believers make their demands by faith. Gosh, that's good. Life gives you what you, what you demand, demand, but believers, believers make their demands, make by, their demands faith. by faith. So when we, and, and, and this is just a teaching moment. Here is the difference between prayer and declarations, because you need to understand this. When I'm praying, I am praying to God, his word, back to him, over whatever, Right? When I am declaring, I am releasing a sound in the earth for earth to bring me what me and God have already agreed That's about. Good. That's, good. That's why we make confessions. Mm -hmm. That's why we make declarations. Mm -hmm. That's why we decree and declare things. The Bible says you decree a thing and it'll be established unto you. Well, if you don't know that you have power, to, that's why you all not curse your job. That's why you all not be at your job talking about this whole place need to shut down. Then the place shut down, you crying. <sighs> Right. Because you carry kingdom power and your words have power and you need to use your power to speak life into what's going on and not just talking raggedy and saying anything. You're right about Be, it. And that's part of the transformation in your mind. Tell your neighbor, say, we don't just say anything. We don't just say anything. Say it to somebody else. Say, we don't just say anything. We don't just say anything. We That's don't. Right. We don't just say anything. That's we put right. a guard on our mouth because we carry kingdom power in mm -hmm. our mouths. Mm -hmm. And we release the sound of heaven. Yes. And the great thing that you need to understand, this blessed me so much what I learned is God responds to his word. That's why you ought to respond to his word. Because when you speak, when you speak the word, angels don't pay attention to whether it's God or you. All they're looking for is the word. The word. And the Bible says that they go to bring the word past. They hearken to the word. That's why you don't have time to be complaining and murmuring and talking about how you don't know how you're going to make it. That's why when I was in that wreck, I was calling on Jesus because I needed some angels to be like, hey, she in trouble. Intercede. We need some help. Because your words have power and if you don't understand that, you won't transform your thinking and you'll think raggedy thoughts and you'll say raggedy stuff and build a raggedy life. Amen. I heard somebody say yesterday, uh, it was a pastor actually, we were talk I was in this group, and they were talking back and forth, and they, they literally were talking about how, how to explain to people, you know, when they don't get their needs met. And what I was trying to get them to understand, and I want you to understand, is that God doesn't respond to need. Now, now, now let me help you. Say if, 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 if God responded to need, there would be no needs. God responds to faith. So you can love God and have a need and not have any faith and still have a need. But you can have a need, love God and be full of faith and get that need met. And I need people in the body of Christ as a whole to understand, listen, God is, God is not responding to need. If God responded to need, there'd be no hospitals. There'd be no hospitals if God responded to need. And then people say, well, you know, that's what kind of mean God wouldn't respond to need? He's a wonderful God. He responds to faith and says it's available to anybody. 
In fact, he's a wonderful God who responds to faith and said, all men have been given a measure of faith. Amen. And then he backed it up by saying, all you need is the size of a mustard seed. So all you need is a sliver of what I already gave you. So if you didn't do anything else but exercise what you were born with, you could get all your needs met. So what hinders us from getting our needs met? Our human thinking. Our human thinking stops us from getting our needs met. And any time that happens, we end up in this situation where we're like, okay, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going through. But Romans 12 and 2 tells us that we ought to always be changing. Yeah. Romans 12 and 2 changing. is not static. It's, 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 it's not something that says, okay, I changed and now that's it. You should always be changing. Always. I tell people, what's that, what's that quote that you always say you got to be? Flexible, committed to your outcome. Committed to your outcome, but, but flexible in your approach. Flexible in your approach. The same thing is true when it comes to hearing God. God may tell you something on Monday, January, whatever, and then on Monday, February, whatever, He tell you something different. You can't be stuck on what God said. You gotta be flexible to be moving on what God is saying. Have you ever told your kids something then it had to change? Yeah. Well, if they say, "Well, I'm not doing that because last time you didn't say that." Now, you know, you know good and well that your reaction to your kid, if they told you they wasn't going to do something because last week you said, Y'all don't going do to what jail. I said, do what I am saying. Well, God's a good father. He don't smack us, but the world will. So when he's telling you to change, it's because he already knows what's going to happen. So we got to learn to be obedient to God. Amen. Amen. I just want to say this. Here's a quote that you should take with you. Once you've heard the word of God, confer, confer no longer with flesh, flesh and, blood. and blood. Yes. Once you have heard, the, so many times you get talked out of what God said mm -hmm. because you start entertaining stuff that wasn't what God said. That's right. God tells you that this is the year you go get a new house. Yes. And then you start talking to people. What you talking to people for? And then they tell you, well, you know, this ain't a good time to buy. This well, ain't a good God time. Say? Well, what did God say? Once you have heard the word of God, confer no longer with flesh, flesh and blood. blood. And that. in our own life, we can tell you this. Anytime we stuck with God, we got what he said. Mm -hmm. Anytime we let the so-called well-meaning experts give well us some additional experts. commentary, we did not get what God said. Because people mean well, but every mean well in person is not a person of faith. In fact, a lot of the advice that people give is based on fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it is fear-based. Fear and so when God is giving you a word, that's a faith word. So you got to hang on to that word. And Don't let you, go. And whatever you fear is the thing that ends up coming into your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to show you this because we kind of all over our notes anyway. Job 3 and 30. Job 3 and the last verse in Job 3. You need to see this because so many people use Job as an example of how the Lord takes things from people to give them away. Well, if you read that story really carefully, you understand that that's not exactly what happened. The devil and, Job, the devil and God was having a conversation. God said, Job wants, the devil wants to try Job, but the only place that he can try Job is based on the things that Job is afraid of. Mm -hmm. We know that Job is afraid with his kids because the Bible says he makes sacrifices for his kids every day. Every day. Every day he's making sacrifices for his kids at a time when you only were supposed to make sacrifices once, once a year. He was terrified about his kids. Mm -hmm. And if you look in the last chapter, in chapter 3, the last verse, 
It'd be helpful if I found Job. 26. I thought you had pulled that up. Mm -mm. Yeah, that was in the notes. That's not in the joke. You went off the notes. You've been off the notes. But you preaching good today. <laughs> Let's look at that. What does Job say in 325? So it says this, this destruction that Job got into his life, he didn't mean to because he loved God, but it was his fear that gave the devil access to him. That's why you have to deal with your fears yeah. because your fears will give the enemy access to you. I'm telling you, if you start fearing that your kids go do a certain thing, they most likely go do it. Your fear go drive them there. You ain't even trying to. You driving them to the very place because fear is a force like faith is a force. And that's why it's important for us to get the word in us to dig up fear so that we can have what God says belongs to us. Well, think about it. It's why Jesus said so many times in the New Testament, every time something happened, what did he say to them? Fear, fear not. not. Why? Because he was trying to get them to understand that if you get in fear, faith can't work. If you get into fear, faith can't work. And so he would always say, fear not or do not fear. Why? Because he knew that that was a particular emotion that has the same force that faith does, but they cannot be in the same place. So then how do I not fear? Because fear is a natural emotion, right? So how do I not fear? I have to build myself with so much word that when the natural emotion of fear kicks in, the word starts to supersede mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. I got to get to the point that if that I'm meditating on the word to yes. such a degree yes. that when circumstances happens and that natural emotion of fear kicks in, before fear can start talking, your face starts talking. Your face starts speaking. What do you say in crisis? What comes out of your mouth in crisis? And that's why you got to be slow. Pastor Dollar says it like this. You got to learn to hit the pause button. And I love when he says that because there are times to tell you that fear is never going to show up will be me lying to you. Sometimes things are going to happen and you are going to be terrified. Don't let your mouth agree with your fear. Learn to push the pause button. Don't always have to call somebody and tell somebody. Don't always have to say what you feel. Don't always have to keep it real. Sometimes keep your mouth closed until your spirit man can govern yourself accordingly and only say what God says. You know, when you, you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a negative report, that ain't the time to wig out and, and just start confessing what the doctor said. You got to learn to hit the pause button. And don't take possession of stuff that the Lord didn't give you. My allergies. Why would you? Who claims allergies? Right. Who wants to own allergies? Oh, they're giving away allergies. I'll take some. Don't claim stuff right. that God, I've been diagnosed with this. I suffer with this. This is going on in my life, but this is not me. Don't, my kids, I own, my, my kids, I want connection with them. My husband, not my destruction, my poverty, my I, sickness, I my disease. disease. I don't want to own that. And you have to be careful about taking possession of something that God didn't give you. And, so, a, and a, a great place to look at this, and I know you're familiar with it, is 3 John 1 and 2. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Bible because here's what it says. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way. And that your body may keep well, 
even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. So the question becomes, how do I keep my soul well? I keep my soul well by spending time in the Word. It's the only way to do it. Listen, we live in a natural world. We hear about natural things that happen that are bad. We hear about school shootings. We hear about people being killed. We hear about people being raped and murdered. We hear about people losing their, their homes to fire. We hear about people being killed in accidents. There's no way to live in this world and not hear bad news. Mm -hmm. So what you have to learn to do is you have to, yes, live in this world, but you have to learn to build your soul up. Yes. And the way you do that is what we read early in Acts 20, 32, is that you got to get in the word so it can build you up. Because if the word of God builds you up, it will change how you think. We say it all the time. Change your thinking, change your life. In addition to getting in the word, though, you got to have some faith friends. You do. Yeah. You got to have faith friends, not Job, just... Job didn't have any. He didn't have when no faith friends. When you read the story of Job, Job had three different encounters with his friend. His friend was like, yo, man, you messed up. You need to just curse God and die. Them ain't the kind of folk who you need to be in your life. Talking about, look, you know you blew it. You might as well just go ahead and accept it. God done let you go, bro. No, that's not the kind of people you need to have in your life. You got to have good friends in your you life. You need faith friends. Faith friends. What do your friends say when you are in crisis? Do they agree with your dysfunction or do they build you up in the word? Come on now. Think about your friends. And the truth what? is we got friends who we call based on how we want to feel. Come on. If I want to be built up, then I call so-and-so. But if I want to have a pity party, then I call so-and-so. You ought to get them pity party people out of your circle. I didn't say your life, out of your circle. Because what a good faith friend will do, this is what Pastor Edwin and I do each other. Yes, I'm going to hear you. I'm going to hear your story. Mm -hmm. I'm going to acknowledge your pain. I'm going to acknowledge your right to be angry. And then I'm going to tell you this ain't the end of the story. Now you got to make a choice about that's what you right. going to do. That's right. That's what a good now, friend Now that's does. what a faith friend does. A faith friend says. You know, I love Tanya McCoy. Tanya, she, when we first got connected, we got connected because her kids were going through so much sickness and stuff. So she reached out to me and said, I'm struggling here. I acknowledge that you're struggling. You are a mother. I know this is hard for you, but this is what you got to do. You got to open your mouth and you got to speak the word. And now I look on her page and now women are reaching out to her yeah. saying, saying yep. I don't know what to do about yep. my kid. Yep. And I see Tanya saying, I acknowledge your pain, but you got to speak the word. You got to speak the word. You don't need no friends when you already down. Time out. Well, let's just lay down and die. And I'm just going to tell you, me and Pastor Ellen say this all the time. That is why the truth of it is, is that if I got sick in the hospital, most y'all wouldn't know until I came back. Because I don't, I don't trust your faith. I, I need to know that if my back get, I got about three people that if my back get up against the wall, I'm going to talk because they will go and shut up in a prayer room and lay on their face until it ain't no more recovery. But you don't need people and they texting talking about, well, it don't look good. I don't, I don't, it don't look like it's so going to be you, long you're now. you sowing disbelief. Now you sowing disbelief. You out there prophesying. You know she ain't going to hardly make it. Listen, I'm telling you, hear me. So what do I do if, somebody, if someone gets a bad report? When someone gets a bad report, I acknowledge the fact, yep. but I declare that the truth is higher than the facts. Yes, the truth. The truth is, is that Jesus is a healer. The facts. 
And then what I started doing to help them build their faith is I started looking for examples where somebody was on their deathbed, where somebody was diagnosed with stage this, where somebody said they wasn't no comeback for it, and I started feeding that to them, and I say, look at this right here. So-and-so was in your situation, and there wasn't no answer, and look what God did for them, and you Come throw on. some Bible examples to them so they Come can on. build their faith up yes. in the Lord. Do you realize that the only reason that Jairus' daughter lived is because he didn't get in fear? That's right. He's sitting here waiting on the woman with the issue of blood who done hijacked the whole deliverance for Jesus. Right. I mean, think about think it from about a very that. practical think thing. Jairus is walking with Jesus yes. to go get his daughter healed. He believes that if Jesus can get to his daughter, that she will get healed. But the woman believes that she can touch Jesus, she will get healed. They both get what they believe for she touches Jesus, and when she touches Jesus, virtue goes out. That is why when we tell you, we can tell when your faith is rising, because faith got to feel. We can tell when a place gets full of faith, because faith has a full feel. Fear has a feel. Apathy has a feel. But faith has a feel. When faith starts rising, things start getting tingly. You're like, whoa, anything could happen up in here. So she touches Jesus, and Jesus goes, wait a minute. Who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciples, because they don't have any spiritual understanding, go, what do you mean who touched you? We in a crowd of people. He go, no, 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 no. Somebody touch me. She goes, it's me. She's telling a story. First of all, she's a woman. She's telling a story. Men don't tell stories like women do. I hate when, I hate when Edwin Chase or Caleb tell me a story. I don't never get all the details three facts, of Two reasons, three facts. I'm like, can you, I say, I, I say to it. Chase and Caleb sometimes, I say, I'm trying to help you for your wife. Give me all the details. I need all the details. Tell me what happened. So it's not a man who's telling the story. She say, geez, listen here. You know, 12 years ago, I started bleeding, and then what happened is, and then the it first just year, didn't stop. In the second and the first year, year. <laughs> and then the third year. And, and then, and then the fourth year, my husband left me. Then they put me out to church, and then I lost my inheritance, and I've been over here hiding. And then, oh, listen, one oh, day I was at Walmart, and I heard this lady say, and this lady said that if I could get to you, that if I just touch you, that you would heal me. And then if you would heal me, then I wanted to be healed. So then I had to go through the crowd, and I had to push my way, and I was scared to touch the people because if I didn't want to get stoned and all of that and stuff. And then I got there, and then I touched you, and then I got healed. That's how she told the story. The whole time Jay Harris is like <laughs> Short version Short version Short version As soon as, as soon. She finishes telling the story comes up. His servant comes up and says Don't bother, Don't bother Jesus no more Your daughter, dead. Your daughter is dead And Jesus says to Jay Harris He says Fear, Fear not, not. Fear not. Because you had a word. You believed that if I could get there, she would live. I ain't there yet. I ain't there yet. So don't let fear grip you. Don't let fear talk you out of what God said. Tell your neighbor, say, it ain't over. It ain't over. Till God get there. Till God gets there. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. It ain't over till God get there. It's not over till God get there. I know your body may be healed as much as the doctors say it could be healed, but it ain't over till God get there. Because huh? they just practicing, but God made yes. your body. And God can recreate yes. ligaments and joints and organs.
arrogance. He can do whatever he want to do. He can do anything but fail. In fact, if ain't a body part never been made before, he can make a scientist right now that can make the body part out of a 3D printer in order to get you what you need. He can do anything. He can do anything. Anything but fail. He can do anything. He can do anything. Listen, it's time for us to you, you, we wrap it. We, we, listen, it's time for us to wrap up, but I'm telling you this. I say this over and over again. I've been, I've been saying this for 17, 18 years. Baby, I wouldn't serve a God didn't have no power. I promise I'd just go to brunch on Sunday. I'd just go to brunch on Sunday. I, I, and I'm, I don't mean brunch here. I mean I'd go to brunch in San Diego and brunch in New York and brunch in Miami and brunch in Seattle. I'd just go to brunch. That's what I would do if I didn't believe. I wouldn't come here and sit and shout about a God I didn't believe could really heal. I wouldn't sow if I didn't believe he really gave a harvest. I wouldn't confess if I didn't really believe there was manifestation. I wouldn't have laid my life down and stayed in Northwest Arkansas if I didn't really believe. But I know what I know what I know. I know what I know what I know. Come from way back in 2000 when Carrie got healed, all the way up to the McCoy girls, to Jordan, to Pocket, to people who had babies that shouldn't have had babies, to people that got healed from AIDS, to people who used to have cancer and ain't got it no more. You can't talk me out of my faith. I know too much about him. I've seen him do too much. I don't even need a Bible no more. I'm a walking Bible. I've seen what he can do. I wouldn't serve no God that couldn't do that. I wouldn't serve no God who couldn't do that. I wouldn't serve no God who couldn't do that. I wouldn't serve no lily liver to God. I wouldn't serve no God that needed me to praise him to be God. Whether I praise him or not, he's still God. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun, going in, going out. I don't validate him. He validates me. I be trying to be intelligent but if you ain't never been in the delivery room with an umbilical cord wrapped around a baby and they don't know whether he gonna make it and God reminds you that you a tither and that your seed shall not fall on the ground and you start talking to God and they think you crazy and then the heartbeat that was going down starts coming back up if you ain't never had that you may not know nothing about that if they ain't never seen their baby die and then seen the baby come back they may not know why we praise like we do you may not think it take all of that cause baby life always been good but if you live long enough you stay here long enough you will need the power of God that's good that's good, that's good I feel some miracles in this place that's good Rem some miracles in this place. Yes. The thing about miracles is that you can't give them away. That's right. You gotta take a miracle. You, take a miracle. you take a miracle by faith. Yes. Somebody in here, you're believing for something. And you believe that it's the will of God for you to have it. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I'm not laying hands on you. You're gonna put your faith, you're gonna activate this thing that you're believing God for. I want you to see it. I want you to see it. Don't judge it. Don't be like, yeah. oh, well, somebody, yeah. somebody needs a healing, but Don't I just need it. a new job. God ain't got no shortage. He a good daddy. Yeah. He can handle it all. He can do all of it. He can do all of it. 
I hate when one of my kids say, I didn't ask for something because so-and-so needed something. We got enough. You ain't got to have, you ain't got to not ask for what you want because they taking a trip. You can take a trip too. But I love Jordan because when Jordan found out that one, that one of the boys was going to Germany and the other boy was going to London, she said, whoa, that mean I get a trip too. So she, this year, so she signed herself up for the trip to New York and then told her dad, you need to come to this meeting because I'm going to New York. And then Canaan said, wait, everybody going somewhere. She said, well, I'm going to summer camp. Because what you ought to look around and if you see a child of God getting blessed, you ought to say, me too. Me too. They don't all have the same trip, but they all getting what they want. And you know, because they going on a trip, you know I'm going on a trip, don't you? You know I'm going on a trip. They wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. No, I'm going on a trip. So I want you to think about this thing you're believing for. And I want you to close your eyes and see yourself with it. And when you see yourself with it, I just want you to start to worship. I want you to see the doctor's report. See the awe in their face. See their shock and awe when they did everything they could do. Oh, that's what I love about Carrie's story. They had done everything they could do. They said it wasn't nothing left. They told us we had to get there in 30 minutes because in 30 minutes she was going to be dead. That was in 2004. It was 14 years ago. Wait, 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 wait. They gave her 30 minutes. 14. 14 years ago. They gave her 30 minutes. 14 years ago. They just practicing. We ain't mad at them. They just practicing. They just practicing. That's good. Close your eyes. See yourself at the doctor getting the report. See your body getting stronger. You believe in God for a house? Anybody believe in God for a house uh, this year? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah you can. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. All right. All right. <laughs> See yourself in that house. See yourself moving, baby. See, <laughs> See yourself moving. Right. See yourself moving. <laughs> the house is there. I want both my houses. <laughs> All right. See yourself. <laughs> See yourself in that new job. Yes. Amen. Some of you may be believing for a restored family. See yourself having a good time. See yourself laughing with the person who usually wear you out. See yourself having a good time with them. And just as you can see it, just begin to be like, thank you, Lord. I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for that. See yourself healed. See your knees not hurting on cloudy days when it's cold. See your knees. See your back. See your back being rebuilt. 
see eyesight being restored. Hey, glory to God. See your family having more than enough. More than enough. I want you to think about something you really want that's a material possession. And I want you to see God using that material possession to become a testimony for him. Amen. Our spiritual father has a Bentley. He has led more young men to the Lord at the gas station with that Bentley. Because they almost always think he a drug dealer. Mm -hmm. And he go, I'm a hope dealer. It's actually, it's actually a Rolls Royce ghost. It's not a Bentley. No, the small one. No, but the big one he got is the ghost. Okay. He got a Rolls and a Bentley. But the point is, is that this thing that just seems like a material possession to somebody used. else, God uses it to bring young men into the kingdom. Amen. Because he know don't know young men on the street care nothing about no Toyota. Not in D.C. God can use your tennis shoes. Yeah. To win somebody to the Lord. A cute purse, some earrings, a necklace, a house, a diamond ring. God can use anything. Just don't love the thing more than you love Just him. Just don't love the thing more than you love the gift. When Dr. Mike Freeman got healed miraculously, the doctor started coming to his church. The doctors who did not believe in God, because Dr. Didi said, I don't care what y'all say, Mike ain't done. And I love this. People ask her, they say, how did you know Mike wasn't going to die? She said, I had already seen us old. She said, yeah, I had already seen yeah. us old. See your husband serving at, at church with you, coming to church, loving the Lord. See that. Imagine him standing there beside you, hands lifted up, worshiping the Lord. See it. And then thank God for it. So, Father, we do thank you. Yes. That we have the ability to freely receive everything that you have freely given. Yes. We thank you for manifestation of healing, restoration, possessions, promotions, favor, every need met. We thank you that even the stuff you give us is anointed to win people to you. Even the stuff you give us. We thank you that as our kids play sports and they excel in sports and excel in academics, that that becomes a witness for you, God. And that even our kids are light. We thank you for it. We thank you that FOC is growing. We thank you for our building, our stage. Thank you in advance for amazing worship, children's facilities. Volunteers. And we believe we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap of praise.